In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I send my angel before thy face who shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice crying out in the desert, repent, make way for the Lord, make straight his paths. Makes me think of turbulence. I have to admit, I love turbulence. When you buy an airplane ticket, if you could pay extra money for extra turbulence, I would hit that button every time. There's something about uh, everything that's in motion, um, not just the wind speed, but even the air pressure that um, makes... Uh, for me, uh, a, f- a flight, um, just a complete, total sensory experience. I know I've already lost some of you, but uh, just come along with me for a minute. Um, the landing. Landings are fun, right? Landings are interesting. I don't want turbulence right before a landing, uh, needless to say. Uh, by the way, have you ever noticed that uh, when you fly Alitalia, or if you were ever to fly Alitalia, um, or if you're on an airplane with a significant population of Italians, if you're an Italian, prepare to be insulted. As soon as the plane lands, everyone applauds as though they're surprised that the plane landed successfully. Every time, without fail. So... um, Landings are exciting. One of the things that fascinates uh, me, as you know, landings are ideally into the wind. Um, uh, If the pilot had um, the ideal circumstances, the plane wouldn't be moving very fast over the ground uh, as it's coming in for a landing. And the stronger the wind is that it's flying into the slower the plane is able to be moving over the ground. So if there's no wind whatsoever, the plane's ground speed, its speed with respect to the ground, is the same as its air speed, the same as the air moving under the wing. But if you have a stiff headwind, the plane can actually be flying at a slower ground speed with the extra wind keeping the plane from falling out of the sky, which we always want to avoid. But wind isn't always directly from in front of the airplane. Maybe you notice that, you know, airplanes uh, will come in from one or the other end of the runway. Some airports, you know, big fancy airports have runways from different angles, but Little National Airport has one runway for big planes, right? There's that other runway for general aviation. When the plane is landing with a crosswind, fascinating things happen. And you can, you can become an expert in 20 minutes. Just Google crosswind landing and, uh, you'll see vectors till your eyes bleed. If a plane is landing and the wind is coming directly from the side, 
let's say the plane, let's say the plane, theoretically, let's say the plane is flying 100 miles an hour uh, and the wind coming from the side is exactly 100 miles an hour. If the plane points straight forward towards the runway, it's going to be pushed off to the side because the wind is coming from, not from in front, but from the side. In order to compensate, the plane doesn't have to do any complicated turns. It just simply has to turn at an angle into the wind at a precise angle. If, if the ground speed and the air speed from the shoulder, from a 90-degree angle, are the same, the plane just simply turns 45 degrees off at an angle into the wind, and then the plane actually flies in a straight line. It's not flying towards where it's pointing, but the wind speed coming from the side is offsetting the angle of the nose. And then when the plane lands, as soon as the wheels touch the ground, then the plane straightens out and it turns into a vehicle. A few years ago, I think it was just two years ago, we had a significant crosswind. And you could even, you could see, because the windows are open, and you can see down the fuselage, you can see down the plane, the plane is pointed at a good 15 degree angle not in the direction we're actually flying, but off so that we fly in a straight line. And as, as a plane was coming down, coming down, coming down, as soon as the, the back wheels hit, you could see the whole plane turn and go forward and land. It was, it was glorious. But I don't actually want to talk about plane landings um, at all. I just want to get you in the mode of thinking that because of the wind, sometimes you have to point in a different direction. So if that's good enough, we can proceed to the actual point, which is about sailing. I really want to talk about sailing today. Because when you're sailing, and you, there's a place that you want to go, unfortunately, you can't just point in that direction and just go, right? The wind has to be coming from, from the proper angle. And if where you're going is actually upwind, right, if the wind is pointing to you, then you're just, um, you're just going back and forth and back and forth, weaving your way. Eventually, you'll get to where you're headed. We won't talk about that part of sailing. I shouldn't even have brought it up. But when you're sailing and the wind is behind you or off to the side, or maybe even slightly in front of you, but off to the side primarily, you have the same adjustment you have to make. The wind is not only helping you move forward because of the wedge. Imagine a surfboard going along a wave, right? The surfboard doesn't go in the direction of the wave, but it slides alongside. So a sailboat is sliding along the wind, and it's moving forward, but it's always drifting a little bit in the direction that the wind is pushing it. And so if you aim directly at where you're headed, you'll never get there. You have to know the direction and the speed of the wind and turn into the wind slightly enough so that the wind keeps you moving in a straight line because you're not pointing at where you're headed. And in a sailboat, it's so much more complicated because there's not just wind. There's current and there's tides. Current is usually consistent. Uh, you can see it from a map. Tides too, but it depends on the time of day. Now, I shouldn't even begin to explain how the tides are proof of the existence of God because of the predictability of tides and the predictability of sunrise, sunset, moonrise, moonset. 
And the tides follow the rotation of the moon, right? When the moon is directly overhead, it's squeezing water up towards it, and that's the highest high tide of the day, right? Approximately 10 hours later, there's another high tide when the moon is directly on the other side of the planet. Because when the moon is using its gravitational pull, it's not just pulling all the water in one direction, it's actually squeezing it. So there's a high tide when the moon is over here and when the moon is over there. But I, I shouldn't even have brought that up. However, proof of the existence of God, the predictability and the beauty of order. So just knowing the exact time of sunset tomorrow, knowing the exact time of high tide three years from now, proof that the world is created. Ordered, beautiful. It's not only set in order, but it's maintained in order. So a sailor needs to keep all this into account, the wind, the wind speed. And the wind is always changing direction. If you look at a, if you look at a sailboat, it's never, ever going in a straight line because the wind is never always coming from the same direction. And then there's the current, and then there's the tide. A voice crying out in the desert, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. If there are no other external forces at work, if there's no other pressures on us, make straight his path, that's easy. This past week, I was on a retreat. I was out at a location where I go frequently. There is no cell coverage there. It's perfectly quiet, completely beautiful. Just mountains, prayer, sleep. It's easy to be good. It's easy to be good on retreat. Leave the radio off, and it's just, it's just reading good books and praying and being quiet. But as soon as you go back into the world and you turn the radio on and you start talking to people and you start replying to your voicemail and your email messages, as soon as people are, are, are urging you to do this or tempting you to do that, and then it's hard to be in the world. It's hard to be good in the world. The reason, there's a reason why we expect monks and nuns to be even holier. Because they've allowed themselves the luxury of being in a setting where it's even easier to be good. Understanding that they're also going out into the desert to battle the devil. So it's not as though they're going on vacation. But they're going into the ideal circumstances to do battle against the devil. Very few people that I know want to offend God. Most people that we know want to go to heaven. But we can't just simply say, well, that's where I want to go, and well, that's just where I'm going to start walking, and that's where I'm heading. Without factoring in, what are the things that are going to try to push you away? And they might not try to make you stop. They just might try to just nudge you, nudge you, nudge you, nudge you, nudge you, so that eventually you're nowhere close to where you were headed. It's not just a matter of being um, more determined. It's not just a matter of leaning into it. It's a matter of being wise, knowing, knowing your circumstances, and knowing what are the forces on you, right? Family, friends, pressures at home, pressures at work your past, your future, 
your regrets, your hopes. All the things that, that you would want to do. All the things that the world uh, makes attractive. Right? The things that, that the devil whispers into your ear. All these things we dismiss, discern, factor in, factor out. It's a matter of growing in, growing in wisdom. Learning how to assess the value of things, the importance of things. Understanding what, what we can ignore and what, what deserves our attention, what deserves caution. Advent is, the, is a perfect time of year to make a plan. To make, not just to be reminded, yes, I want to go to heaven, yes, I want to please God, but this is how I'm going to get there because of the concrete circumstances of my life. This is the plan that I need for today. This is the need, the plan I need for this week. Maybe it's the resolution for Advent. Maybe it's the resolution from this Sunday to next Sunday or the resolution from this confession to the next confession. There's a race going on um, right now that does not lend itself to television, needless to say. It's called the Golden Globe Race. Uh, it's in the 50th anniversary of the first time that this British newspaper sponsored a sailboat race. Calling it a race even sounds absurd because the conditions are that it's one sailor per boat sailing solo around the world nonstop. The very first time they did the race, only one person finished, so he won. This year's 50th anniversary race is uh, something of an um, um, homage to that original, because this year the competitors are not allowed to use any electronic navigation equipment. So they're only sailing by the stars. Uh, Needless to say, most of the 30 competitors who began on July 1st are dropped out of the race. The only way you can keep track of the race is just by going to a, a plotter where you see, you know, a map and lines and, you know, little icons for the boats. There aren't many long, straight lines, especially in the Indian Ocean. And when the winds are gusting to 70, 80, 90 miles an hour and abruptly changing direction 90 or almost 180 degrees, the sailboats aren't just trying to uh, know what direction to point their bow so that they don't uh, go off course too much. Um, they're actually trying to make sure that the boat doesn't swivel the other way around and go all the way under and come all the way up. That's already happened a few times to a few different boats. They're not good for much after that happens. So there will be times in life when we find ourselves in a squall. And progress won't mean actually getting to where we want to go. Progress simply might just simply be keeping our head above water and staying alive. I encourage you all to make a retreat at some point, a good silent retreat, two days, three days, ideally, 
or longer, there are a few good places to make retreats and um, we can make recommendations. One of the things that it will prove to you is how you are under constant assault in this life and you are usually unaware of it. It's when you retreat into something ideal that you recognize what, what your average day, what your regular life entails. All of us are fighting great battles. So we ask the Lord to give us not just courage and not just determination, but wisdom and the humility to make the right decisions, to make the right accommodations, to decide what we need and what we don't need, to be able to keep moving. There's a beautiful prayer in the hymnal. Um, If you want to read it later uh, or pray it on your own, it's number 547. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Guide me, O thou great Redeemer, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Open now the crystal fountain whence the healing stream doth flow. Let the fire and cloudy pillar lead me all my journey through. Strong deliverer, strong deliverer, be thou still my strength and shield. Be thou still my strength and shield. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises, songs of praises I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.